Praise the Lord. We welcome you all to our live broadcast this Sunday, July 18, 2021. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we're here again before your feet to praise you, to thank you for your numerous blessings. We're here, Lord our God, because we know that you are God. And that your word, anything and everything can be accomplished. Father, we pray, therefore, for your children, whatever they may be passing through, Lord, that you open their eyes and help them see the solution you have provided or we provide. All they have to do is to have faith in you, O God, and trust that you are God. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor. As we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this environment and wherever this broadcast is being listened to or watched, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. So wherever strongholds are in any of the families, anywhere listening or watching this broadcast, those strongholds you are brought down just like Pharaoh was brought down. The Egyptian magicians were brought down. Every other thing that contends against God is brought down, will be brought down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, my Father, my God. In Jesus' name we are prayed. We continue with our series, Contending for the Gospel. The instrumental is taken again from our brother Caleb Brassi. We thank you for everything. Series outline, we have covered three, four, five. Today we are on six. Fellowship of Believers called Church has one important mandate. God is looking for those who believe his word. Act on his word and live according to his word. Today's topic, fellowship of believers called church has one important mandate. Outline, fellowship of believers called church has one important mandate. Number two, organized Christianity. That means apostate Christianity. That means any organization or group that does not believe that the Bible is the only authority that we can use to preach the gospel. They use Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 to guilt trip. That's make their followers feel guilty. Number three, unity of believers where you have them is such a beauty. Number four, what it takes to have unity in the fellowship of believers. Number one, fellowship of believers called church has one important mandate, one only. And let's recap. Wherever two or three people are gathered in the name of the Lord and the Holy Spirit is present, it's a church. So fellowship of believers in any place, in any area, no matter the number, has only one mandate. Expand God's kingdom in the area 
where they gather together. And from there to the ends of the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear just before going to the heavens. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20, where he told him to go into the world and preach the gospel. Disciple those who believe. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them all that he has commanded them. See, two, two, two are the same. Preach and teach. Preach, disciple. Same thing. The Lord commanded his followers to proclaim the gospel. Make disciples of those who believe. He also asked them to teach those who believe his commands and his ways. It is axiomatic. That is, is a given. That when believers meet together, they pray and worship God. Also, when people are in their closet, they also pray and worship God. So that is general, whether, anyway. So that's already there. So praying together is great. Worshiping God together is great. But, allowing other activities to push the mission of God, which is to reach, take the gospel to the world, and disciple those who believe, out of the hearts of believers is wrong. God's mission and the Lord's command must drive our worship and prayers. All such gatherings have no reason to be there. In our prayer and our worship, what are we doing? After worshiping God, we are praying for Him to advance, to enable us to go into the world and what? Preach the gospel. If that is not a purpose, why are you there? And God could remove the lamp of those gatherings that don't promote the kingdom. And who have refused to carry out the mandate of the king. Prayer and worshipping God together and neglecting discipleship has been what buildings, called churches, and denominations have been doing. They put emphasis on so many other things. So many church activities have nothing to do with the mission of God. Only a few have well-functioning Sunday schools. However, I would argue that even in those, Sunday schools take a backstage. Discipline should be at the heart of prayers and worship whenever children of God gather. Because the two most important tasks for believers is to increase the population of the kingdom of God on earth by going to the world to depopulate the kingdom of darkness and to keep those in the kingdom of God there by teaching them all that the Lord had taught and commanded. Meaning, the more mature believers should do everything to help the younger ones so that they no longer have concord with the world and will have no desire to go back into the world. <laughs> Note that. Because if the so-called mature elders are dancing with the world, how is it possible for them to stop newer ones from not dancing with the world? It is for this purpose that the Lord gives spiritual gifts to his followers. The spiritual gifts are given for the purpose of 
God's mission. It's not for anything else. Believers are to use the gifts to achieve the two tasks of preaching the gospel and discipling believers. Those gifts are not for entertainment or to draw people to a place to ask them for money to build even larger cathedrals. Scripture, please. I read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 18. Now, these are the gifts of Christ, that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers. Verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused, their minds are full of darkness, they wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Praise the Lord for his word. We are going to take these verses of scripture, one after the other. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers are God's gifts to the church. Where the believers are gathered together in his name. Please note that there are no priests mentioned because all believers are priests of God. So let us now look at the responsibilities of these pastors, I mean of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. There are responsibilities. Number one, equip God's people to do God's work. See that? They are there to help others to grow too, so that they can do what? God's work. And what is God's work? Preach the gospel to the whole world. Disciple those who believe, so that they too can also go out and preach the gospel, and disciple those who believe wherever they go. Number two, he said, build up the church, the body of Christ. That means, Disciple young converts through giving them well-balanced diet of spiritual food. Not verses of scripture picked here and there. Teach them. Give them the whole package so they can grow into maturity. Number three, responsibility. Just note, feeding young converts continuously Still, I'm on point two, sorry. With well balanced spiritual food, helps them to grow properly. Their growth will not be stunted. With time, the young converts become mature adults. 
and then in turn we begin to help others to come to such unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, meaning mature in the Lord, and begin to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Proper instruction means there will be no immature believers who act like children. See, I'm going through those verses explaining them. Proper instruction means there will be mature believers in the body who cannot be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Proper instruction means that believers will not be influenced when people try to trick them with lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. Proper instruction means that the church, that's the gathering of the body of believers in that place, will have a ready army contending for the truth. That means for the gospel of Christ once for all delivered to the saints at all times. Proper instruction means there will be no competition among believers. Who is greater? Who is smaller? Who sits on this high table? Who doesn't sit on this high table? Because they know that they are all accountable individually to the head of the church. Everybody is accountable to the head. Proper instruction means that every believer knows, or we know, that it is only Christ who is the head of the church who makes the whole body fit perfectly together. He makes a selection. He decides to give who a pastor, evangelist, prophet, etc. Not self-claiming, promoting people. <laughs> Only he knows where he will put you and I. So we fit in into his plan. Proper instruction means that every believer knows that there is no human being who has greater access to God. Proper instruction enables believers to understand that the body of Christ in any place can only function optimally, that is, function very well when the whole body is healthy, meaning every part of the body is healthy and growing and full of love. Each part doing its own work. Imagine if my hand now is paining me. It will affect me. If my leg is paining me, it will affect me. If my eyes are paining me, it will affect my whole body. That's why we must look, take care of everyone within us, in that fellowship, in that group of believers, so that each person is doing his or her own work. Proper instruction enables young converts to know the grave danger of not making a U-turn from sin, meaning from fleeing from sin. They must abhor sin and from what they're living. Of course, you can't just be telling them. That means you telling them must be living in accordance with what you are preaching or teaching or guiding. Organized Christianity uses Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 to give trip their followers. What do we mean by guilt trip? When you cause feelings of guilt, you use that to manipulate the behavior of 
others by causing them feelings of guilt. As an example, if you didn't go to one of those buildings called church today, you may hear someone say, ah, brother, sister, I didn't come to church last Sunday or today. Why? What's the problem? Some pastors or whatever may send people to the homes of the believers to find out why they didn't come to church. Especially those believers, they believe that bring lots of money to the church. Attendance at church is promoted as exemplifying faith. Those who stop coming to that particular place or denomination are regarded as fallen. So when you argue, they quote you this Hebrew chapter 10 verse 25. Do not neglect that meeting together or the assembly of the saints as is the manner of some. Oh, you hear it all the time. So let us look at this scripture. Please, scripture please. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 25. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Praise the Lord. We're not just going to take um, one portion of scripture. We're going to look at the context. So that's why we picked the context of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25a, actually part of it. That's what which is what they quote. So we started from verse 19 to 25. So let's start. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So, number one, it establishes all believers have access to God's throne at all times. It doesn't have to be in a particular place. That's number one. Not a specific time or place, you can any time. It can be in your closet, in your bathroom, in your bedroom, in your living room, in your kitchen, in the car, in the bus, in the train, in the aircraft. It doesn't matter where. So we have established that. We can enter God's holy place at all times. That's why those who worship God, worship Him in spirit and truth. Praise the Lord. Then what does verses 21 and 22 say? And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, verse 22, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, that's what it means by truth, fully trusting him. So you and I, at any place, any time, whether in a fellowship of believers or outside, because Jesus Christ is the high priest, believers have this incredible access into God's presence at all times the morning the afternoon the evening the night whatever believers have no blemish because the high priest has cleansed them with his blood 
That's what he now says here. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So we are going to God's throne. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus. We go there with a sincere heart because he has cleansed us of our guilty consciences. And made us alive in him and we are there with him in heavenly places. Seated. We are there at the table. Praise the Lord. In verse 23 says, let us hold tightly with that we have read. That is sweet. Complete faith to the hope that God can be trusted to keep his promise. So believers must put all their hope in God because God keeps his promises. It's not like you and I. Then verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another, to ask of love and good works. <laughs> Think about it. Let us motivate. So when we're in a gathering, we're supposed to motivate each other with acts of love. And even outside the gathering, because they belong to our fellowship. With acts of what? Love and good works. Praise the Lord. Let me re-emphasize. There is no specific meeting place for believers. So we go to verse 25. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. That's all they quote. But continuing, But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I repeat, there is no specific place for believers. They can choose to go to a particular place to meet and encourage one another. It can be in someone's house. It can be in the office when they are free for lunch. It can be in the marketplace. It can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be in a particular building. But more importantly, those places are actually to disciple and teach younger believers the truth. That's why it says, encourage one another. Teach one another. You can do it by visiting homes and praying together. It doesn't have to be in a building called church. I have nothing wrong against that. But you are going to see when we come to the final part, you see why. Because he's been abused. To make you feel guilty that if you don't go to church on Sundays, or on Saturdays, or on particular days, you have sinned. I'm saying no. You have not sinned. Because you have the right to worship God anywhere. If you are led to go to that particular place that time on each Sunday, you go. It doesn't matter if you are led, but if you are not led, why should you? You have to listen to the head. Who is directing your life? Not your church organization is directing your life. That's the point I'm trying to make. Not your pastor, priest, or evangelist. I don't care who is directing your life. Only God is directing your life. And except you are following your Lord and Savior, you are in error. Number three. Unity of believers. Such a beauty. Scripture, please. Psalm 133, verse 1. A song of ascents of David. How good and pleasant it is 
when God's people live together in unity. Praise the Lord. That is ideal. That is God's standard. It is a joy to behold when believers walk together in unity. It pleases God. And when they do, He does extraordinary things. No wonder great things happen when there's unity among believers. Scripture, please. Acts chapter 15, verse 25. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Praise the Lord. In the matter of keeping the law and circumcision, which Judaizers, those of Jewish Christian heritage, wanted to impose on the Gentiles, how was it solved? They met together. And with the Holy Spirit present, they discussed, they looked at the scriptures and came to the conclusion that the Gentiles don't have to keep the law and because Christ is the end of the law. And that they don't have to do circumcision because that's from the fathers. That circumcision is more of the heart than of flesh. Because they were together. Can you imagine if there was no unity? Oh, it would have been terrible. But that's why you and I today are in fellowship. So we decided, having come to a complete agreement, because believers were in unity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. To send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. I use that example. There are many I could have used, but we have to go because of time. Number four. What does it take to have unity in the fellowship of believers? This is the crunch. Scripture, please. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Praise the Lord. Now pay attention. These are what it takes to have unity in the fellowship of believers. Number one, the Holy Spirit must be present. Which means all those who have gathered have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Because if they don't have the Spirit indwelling them, there's a problem. Two. Those in the fellowship must be spirit filled, like I just said, and also practicing what they are preaching and teaching. That means they fear God. So these are the qualities of spirit filled, practicing believers who fear God. Please pay attention. Number one, we are using the verses of Scripture. Read verse one said. Any comfort from his love? 
fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? So the first quality or qualities must be spirit-filled believers have tender and compassionate hearts. Number one. Verse 2 said, They make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So, second quality spirit filled believers must love, have love for each person in the fellowship. And they will have a mind to obey the Holy Spirit and not their own thoughts at all times. Number three, verse three. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Think about that, how we dress. <laughs> be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. So third quality of spirit filled believers who fear God. They are selfless, always remember that. They are humble, always remember that. And they respect everybody. The poorest in the congregation or their group, the richest, the not so rich, whether they are wearing tattered clothes or wearing good clothes is not important. Because they know that they could be that person who is wearing tattered clothes, but for God's grace. So that's selfless, humble, and they respect others. They can't allow you to bow before them again. They'll pull you up fast and warn you. Verse 4. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must be fully focused. Those who are spiritual believers are fully focused. They are not selfish. They are not self-seeking. They are not there to gain an advantage. No, rather they are there to give up, to give up, even any advantage. They are not greedy. Whenever a human being says a Christian, a believer, and is greedy, Run from that person. He or she doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He's not avaricious. He's not grasping. For all you hear about that person, always talk about money, money, money every second. Run from that person. Spiritual believers are fully focused. They are selfless like Christ. And they are not greedy. They have interest in other people's successes. That's what it means. Don't look out only for your own, but look out for the interests of others. They are willing to offer advice, even unsolicited. Then verses 5 to 8. Whom do we emulate? Since you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That's why he came from heaven. To die very lonely death. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Can you imagine that? A human being. Dust that had the breath of God in it. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Spirit filled people are Christ like in words and deeds. How do you know? Ultimate humility. And they are willing to lose all, including their lives, for Christ and the mission of God. They will never be afraid to speak truth to power. 
They don't care who souls is God. They will teach and preach because God who has called them is there with them. And even if it's the person who cares. Because if Christ minded, he wouldn't have come down from heaven. If the apostles minded, they wouldn't have preached the gospel. And those saints who were sent into the Roman Colosseum would not have done so. Instead, we go on Sundays and have parties in building called churches. And we say we are Christians. We are Bible believing Christians. I said it's a lie. It's not true. I'm speaking truth to you. That's truth to power. You are not worshiping God. If you are not Christ-like in worship, if you are not willing to die for the gospel of Christ, if you are afraid to preach the gospel, if you are afraid to take this message to others, because you hear, many of you hear this message and put, how about sharing these messages? We have WhatsApp. We download or upload to them. And you can carry and send to as many people as possible. I assure you some will cut you off from their group. Why? What are you afraid of? You see, that's my point. You love what you're hearing because you know it's the truth. And even Christ has ministered that in your heart, in your closet, and you still wonder sometimes, just how many of you share these messages on Facebook? How many of you share these things on WhatsApp? If it was one silly joke, you would have shared it. You are not sharing. You know, the person speaking had to put face to it. Otherwise, I would have preferred to be anonymous. So please be willing to preach the gospel and speak truth to power. Let's stop pretending. You have no excuse not to be sharing these messages. If you have been watching and believing and knowing when you study the scriptures that these things are true. If you don't tell them, how will they know the truth? But if you are hoping to get something from that boss, you are not going to speak so that your promotion will not be denied. Yet you forget that Christ is the one that gives the promotion. You forget, oh God, I wish many of you knew the power that is in you that nobody can ever stop you if you really are doing the Lord's work. He will be about your own business. But he said we are chasing things rather than always worshipping him. We would rather have all those verses of people give us. We sing it in our closets and say, God, you have to do it for us. May the Lord have mercy on all of us. We are going to sing a song which we sang in the past. To God be the glory. Because in all things, I give my Father, my God, glory and praise. Because if he was a man, a woman, a human being, he would have destroyed the world because we are all unfaithful. Father, forgive us. But we must continue to glorify your name. So God be the glory. Great things you have done for the world and us. You love the world. And gave us your son Jesus Christ. Who you did his life as an atonement for my sins. And the sins of everybody else. And opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh God. Let the earth hear your voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father. Through Jesus Christ, His Son. And give Him glory because great things He has done. Praise the Lord. All oh, perfect redemption. Yeah, that's perfect. Nothing to be added. The purchase of love. 
to every believer the promise of God, they are blood washed. You are sent. The violence offender becomes a saint who truly believes. The moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Sinner becomes sent. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear your voice, my Father, my God. Let the people rejoice. Come to the Father through Jesus Christ the Son and give him the, the praise and the honor that you him and not to human beings. Great things he has taught us. Great things he has done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder. Our wonder, our transport. The day we see Jesus. The day we see him in glory. To God be the glory. Praise you the Lord. Praise you my Father. Shall we pray? In Jesus name we pray. Father we praise you. Father we worship you. Father we adore you. You are our God. Whether they like it or not oh God. You are God. They can raise their standard everywhere. You are God. And we continue to shout that Jesus is Lord. We continue to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because there is no other name given under heaven. But which we can be saved. We continue to tell your people the truth. We we'll also tell the unbelievers the truth. We will continue with our, the bread you have given us until the day you call us into glory. Father, I'm praying for the young men and women who are watching this broadcast. Start your hearts. Start them so they can begin to go into our website and begin to study because you have developed a body of work. Not through, not us, but you use us to develop that body of work. So they can take over the mantle, Lord, because you know. Raise the young men and women, Father, been crying and I will now shout it loud, oh God. Many of them are so distracted. Many of them are so distracted, oh Lord, by the things of the world. Raise men and women as it was in the early 70s, I remember. When even I had not known the Lord, Lord, there were people in the universities and colleges who believed. And you know they were on fire for you, Lord. Turn that again, oh Lord. Let these young men and women begin to take this body of work and begin to destroy everything the enemy has planted in your churches. For the tires have grown so big. Everybody now believes that. Chasing the world is the way to heaven, whereas it's the way to death. Raise these young men and women, Lord, wherever they are today, hearing my voice. Put this energy in them, Lord, and that fear of you, O oh God. And when they are, Lord, Father, open the doors of heaven so that they will never lack. And they will not have to ask anybody for finances. Because you will make a way for them where there is no way as they go about your business. In their workplace, Lord, in their skills, Lord, they will be the best. And they find favor everywhere they go. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Thank you, dear Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll see you people next Sunday. By God's grace.